Grab your Bibles. And if you don't have a device, look on the, the screen. It'll be in front of you in just a moment. John 9. Just a few verses in your hearing. Here's what the word of the Lord would say to us. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Let me read that again. Jesus answered and said, He didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. But the reason is that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Drop down very quickly. I'm trying to move quickly. I I, I saw my time slip away from me this morning. Verse 32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man Open the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. That's more than enough reading for us today. You can be seated. Father, thank you. Not only did you meet us here this morning, you exceeded our expectations. So Father, our prayer today is that you would go beyond that. Your promise in your word is that you do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So Father, my prayer today is that you would go beyond, literally blow our minds today, shake up the status quo, bring us out of ordinary and attach us permanently to the supernatural. Father, our prayer today is that as this word goes forth, as I decrease, that you would increase in me. Have your way. Get glory out of this moment. And as you are glorified, give us the benefit. As you are glorified, somebody should be healed. Somebody should be delivered. Somebody should be changed. Somebody will say yes to you as you're glorified. Somebody will come into relationship with you as you are glorified. So, Father, get the glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Just for a few moments, I really want to talk to us out of verse number three there in John chapter number nine, where Jesus says that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Just for a few moments today, I want to talk to you from the subject divine intention divine intention Uh, i I gave this preamble to uh the nine o'clock service and i have to give it to you as well uh, unless you think i don't know what i'm doing up here uh and i I have to tell you that i know i read out of john chapter number nine um it's, it's a few folk who were here a little bit earlier so they can attest to the fact that i know i read out of john nine we're gonna get there all right that's y'all's warning we're going to get there. Just somebody holler out. We're going to get there. Oh, I like it. Oh, see. Y'all, y'all hear that over there? 
Be careful. It's, it's going to, yeah, be careful. Let, let's talk about this for a minute. Divine intention. Um, oh, and, and I love having fun in church. That's the other thing. I, if church is boring, you're in the wrong church. Let, let's talk about, no, for real. God laughs, we should too. Okay, it's, I didn't read that in my Bible. It's in there, actually. Let's talk about intention, divine intention. This, this is an important narrative for the church. We have to start to comprehend to some level the need to understand God's intention in the earth. God wastes nothing. Everything that he does has deliberation and thought behind it. God does everything through the lens of his purpose. Through the lens of what he intends to come to pass. Now for us to really understand what divine intention is, let's define it. Um, thank you. From, from a biblical perspective, um, intention is really kind of defined the same way we look at intention from a colloquial perspective. Let, let's look at this for a moment. The, in, what is intention? Intention is to have in mind as a purpose, a goal, or a plan. To have in mind as a purpose, a goal, or a plan. Let's put that in, in scriptural context. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts, yes, that I think toward you. I know the plans that I have toward you. They are good and not evil. Right? Yeah? Come on, talk back to me. They're good and not evil uh, to give you an expected end, to give you a future and a hope. So that in the intention of God is a future and a hope. That's intention. Let's go a little bit further. In, intention also means to design for a specified future use. Did y'all catch that? To design for a specified future use. And this is really where I want to, to park today. Because the truth of the matter is, if we really are going to understand the intention of God, one of the things that we have to attach to the intention of God is to recognize at the onset that God's intention does not always happen immediately. Uh, now I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, I've been in church my whole life, and I know the stuff that we say, he's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. But when his intention is at stake he often appears in a state that we would call late real late okay <laughs> you're laughing but the truth is if we're honest God has been late a few times okay just can I show you in the Bible that God does not always rescue you when you want. That your deliverance is not on your schedule. Uh oh. That there are times where God will leave you in a place. Much longer than you think you deserve. And he does it because his intention is at risk. If he brings you out early. Uh oh. Okay, here it is. Divine intention will at times not disrupt discomfort. I paused on purpose because I want y'all to get this. 
divine intention at times will not disrupt our discomfort. One more time, I need y'all to catch this. I'm going to show you in the Bible that divine intention does not always disrupt our discomfort. Especially when that disruption will interfere with his intention being made manifest in the earth. God, uh oh, I'm about to get in trouble, is not concerned about your comfort when his purpose is at stake. I, I had a feeling I wasn't going to get a whole bunch of amens right here because most of us don't want to believe that God would let us stay there over time. But let's, let's walk through the Bible. I gave y'all the warning in advance, so now you're going to see why. Genesis 37. Wait a minute, you said John, 5, John 9. I know. Genesis 37, though, chronicles for us the life of a man named Joseph. Joseph is the 11th born son of Jacob. Joseph literally is named and God will add more. Joseph is named prophecy. That God's going to do it again. Joseph is the son of favor. Is there anybody in the room who believes, as you should, that the favor of God is on your life? Yes? Was that a universal amen? Great, great, great. Now let me tell you that favor doesn't stop trouble. For all of you favorite folk in the room, Joseph is proof that you can have a coat of many colors and still be hated on. You can have a coat of many colors and still be mistreated. You can have a coat. Oh, y'all won't talk back to me. You can be favored and people will plot against you. And you've done nothing wrong but be. As a matter of fact, Joseph's favor made him a target. His brothers hated him because of his favor. Uh Oh, oh, y'all didn't read that part in Genesis 37? That he was hated because the grace was on him. Disliked because he was favored. And as a result of that favor, his brothers plotted to kill him. One of his brothers decided to save him. They put him in a pit with the intention of returning him back to his father. But here come the Midianites. They sell Joseph into slavery because he's favored. Wait, and God does nothing. He doesn't disrupt it. He doesn't change it. He doesn't send an angel to spank his brothers. He lets it happen. But God, if you love me, you would deliver me. Not when my intention is at stake. He sold into slavery. He ends up at Potiphar's house where the favor of God is still active. Active in slavery. Favored and a slave. Wait. And now Potiphar's wife, y'all know the story, decides that favor looks good on Joseph. Oh, you cute. She tries to sleep with him over the course of many days and she is rebuffed by Joseph time and time again. I'm not sleeping with you. Do you understand that the honor and the favor of God put me here? Wait a minute, Joseph. Are you saying that favor left you in slavery? Yes. And he says, I cannot dishonor my master, nor can I dishonor God by touching you. 
So watch this. She plotted, had the house empty, tried to get him to sleep, but it ain't, won't be no witnesses. We can do this and I won't tell nobody. And the Bible says he fled from the opportunity to sin. Okay, y'all, y'all didn't get that. He ran from a chance at secret sin. Y'all still didn't get it. Do we not understand that sometimes we have to prove to people that sin is not the easy choice? Okay, y'all, y'all got it. He ran from the chance to sin. She grabbed a hold of his cloak. Y'all know the story. And as a result, she lied on him, said he tried to rape her. And as a result, he is put in prison and he's innocent. Innocent in jail. And he's left there. Why did God leave him in jail for three years? Because it would take at least three years for Pharaoh to have a dream. And Joseph needed to be located. Okay, y'all missed it one more time. Can I tell you that God will leave you in an uncomfortable position so he'll know where to find you? He'll leave you in, okay, some of y'all right, I thought, God, I feel trapped. Good, because when my purpose is going to be made manifest, I need to get you quickly. I need easy access to you. And if I leave you in this, you won't turn on me. If I leave you in this, you won't stop worshiping. If I leave you in this, you'll keep trusting me. If I leave, I can trust you with a problem. But my purpose needs to be made manifest. He leaves him there. Y'all know the story. Until Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. And as a result, they pull Joseph in. Joseph interprets the dream. And because he has clarity on what the dream means, Pharaoh makes him number two in all of Egypt. Now Joseph is in charge. And here come his brothers. Seven years of plenty. Everybody's happy. Nobody's saving except Joseph. When the seven years of famine come, Joseph has plenty to handle the lack of other people. And they sell parcels of their land to get food. And the kingdom is increasing because favor is on Joseph. Here come his brothers. He helps his brothers and I got to fast forward through it. He, he reveals himself to his brothers and then he brings his whole family into Egypt. And everybody is now living high on the hog because Joseph was sold into slavery. Mm. Y'all miss it one more time. Everybody in the family is now blessed because Joseph was not rescued early. And in Genesis 50, when Joseph's father dies, his brother's like, okay, we're in trouble. He's going to get revenge now. He was cool while dad was alive, but now that dad is gone, we're in trouble. And Joseph said, no, y'all missed it. Your intentions don't trump, don't trump God's intentions. He says, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God intended it for good so that you would still be alive. I need you to understand that God will not bring you out early. Not when his intention is at risk. Let's go further because if you look in Job 42, I I warned you. If you look at Job 42, verse 2, it says that the, the, the purposes of God cannot be thwarted. In other words, when God purposes a thing, it's gonna happen. Now, let's be clear the purpose of God and the will of God are not the same. What? 
Okay. The Bible says it's God's will that everybody be saved. Yes. It's God's will that everybody come into a place of repentance and be in right relationship with God. But we know for fact that hell is enlarging itself. Which means that while it is God's will that everybody be saved, everybody ain't going to be saved. Because we have to choose him back. He chose me, I got to choose him back. So we understand that, that, watch this, volition choice can interfere with God's will. But my choice cannot change his purpose. Are are y'all with me? Now, here is the good news. When you say yes to God, you also say yes to his purpose. Okay, this is what Jeremiah said, uh, well, found out rather, when God spoke to him and he said, before you were born, I purposed you. I ordained, you were born because of purpose. You weren't born because your parents liked each other, because some of our parents didn't like each other. Is this on? Some of us got here as a oops. In the, hu- in the human world, it was a oops. But in the spiritual world, it was divine purpose. You had to get here. Why? Because God knew at some point he was going to get glory out of you. Okay, I, I got to keep moving. So watch this. We know the purposes of God cannot be thwarted. In Isaiah 55 and 10, 55, uh, 55, 10 and 11, it says this. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from earth and do not return, but it waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud so that there'll be seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish my pleasure and prosper where I send it. Yes? Now, here's what's interesting about Isaiah 55, 10. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return. It waters the earth and makes the earth bring forth in bud. Wait a minute. Who put the seed in the ground? Where did the seed come from? Because Isaiah 55 and 10 doesn't talk about who put the seed in the ground. In other words, the seed was always there. It just needed a catalyst. Okay, I'm going somewhere because the word of the Lord, watch this, has already been implanted in us. The purpose of God is in you. Let me say it one more time. You have the purpose of God in you presently. Now, here's what's crazy. The purpose of God, the intention of God is a finished work. Okay, let's, let's go on a quick biblical excursion. As if we're not already on one. Hebrews 4 and 3 says, Because the works of God were finished from the foundation of the earth. The works of God completed, finished from the foundation of the earth. Right? Yes? Psalm 119.89. Well, you may not know, but it's there. Psalm 119.89. It says, Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Now watch this. That means that everything that God ever said with purpose, heaven has it. One more time. Everything that God said, heaven has it. But Jesus said, when you pray, 
prayed that his will be done and that his kingdom be, be done in earth as it is in heaven. Watch this. Don't pray that it is in heaven. Pray that what is in heaven is in the earth. So here it is. God is not working on your miracle. He's not working on your healing. He's not working on your deliverance. He's not working on your turnaround. He's not working on your financial situation. He is not working on your marriage. He is not working on your kids. He did it already. I wish I had about 20 folk who would just open up your mouth and say, he did it already. Your miracle is not in the oven on 350 and you got, okay, he has already done it. But here's the key. He did it, but I don't have it. So what's the problem? The problem is that God's intention being revealed in the earth always has to match his timing. His timing. God is not on my calendar, I'm on his. God doesn't operate according to my schedule. I operate according to his. Okay, let's go further. Let's dig into this. Because the Bible says in, in the book of Titus, Paul talking to Titus, he says, there are precious promises that God spoke over you. Here it is again, from the foundation of the world. Precious promises that you had to wait to get to. But watch this, he says, and they are revealed or manifested in the earth in a kairos through preaching. Did did, did y'all catch that? So watch this. In other words, what is a kairos? A kairos is a time and a time, a moment and a moment. It is God's specified or predetermined time to reveal his work in the earth. A kairos, one more time, is God's predetermined time to reveal his work in the earth. But if you go a little bit, if you dig a little bit deeper, kairos has another meaning and it is the moment when things are brought to crisis. It is a moment, somebody said, what? Mm -hmm, I'm coming for you. It is the moment when things are brought to crisis. Now, here's the problem. You said what because of your understanding of crisis is limited to our colloquial usage of that word. Crisis for us means time to panic. It's in the movies when, when the earthquake starts, in the movies where the, 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 the volcano erupts, We call that crisis, but crisis is a theatrical term that literally means when the, when the protagonist gains the advantage. One more time it's when the hero gains the advantage, when the plot is revealed. Uh Oh, so here it is. God waits until the right time. For you, who is the protagonist in this story, uh, y'all, y'all miss a good, okay, let me, let me move over here. You, you are the protagonist in the story, but I thought this was about Jesus. It's about you too. Okay. 
Lord, y'all gonna make me go off. Um, Romans 8 says we're being conformed, yes, to the image of Jesus. Yes? In other words, if he has it, so do I. If he wins, so do I, so do you. Okay, okay, now let's dig a little bit deeper because here's the truth. God didn't rescue Jesus either. Oh no, we're in resurrection season, let's talk about it. Y'all, y'all, we're not getting a normal, you know, Hosanna in the highest message. I get it. But let's talk about it for a second. And then I'm going to go to the text and then I'm done. All of this is my intro. The intro is a hard part. Listen to this. Jesus, after he's betrayed, goes to the garden. He's praying. And y'all know what he prays? Lord, if it's your will, not your purpose, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And God is like, nah, fam, you got, you got to, in a way out of this. It's, and we know Jesus really wanted to get out of it because he prayed it three times. Father, if it be your will, rescue me from this. God doesn't do it. So if Jesus had to deal with some stuff that made his humanity panic. What makes us think we're excluded from that? Jesus knew I got to deal with some pain. I got to deal with some discomfort. I, I have to be betrayed. See, now y'all sketchy again. See how y'all do. Jesus said, somebody has to betray me for my purpose to come to pass. I wish I had about 20 folk in the room who would be honest and say some people really stabbed you in the back. You didn't do anything to deserve it. But it was about the purpose of God being made manifest. And watch this, Jesus had to die. He had to bleed out. He had to be beaten. Why? Because with his stripes, not are, were. We were healed. By his, I just told y'all it was a finished work. By his stripes, we were healed. But the end of the story is not his death. Death was a means for victory. But he could not escape the peace where he wanted to be rescued. Because the glory of God was fully revealed when he got up. So the bad news in this message is that God ain't going to rescue you early. I told y'all the intro is a hard part. The good news is he will rescue you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Not some of them, not part of them, not the hardest ones, but he delivers out of them all. Let me hurry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bishop. So we know he won't rescue us early, but he will rescue us. Now, here's where the text gets really interesting to me because Jesus is walking by. He sees a man who he knows instinctively was born with a birth defect. 
born blind. Born blind and because of the superstitious nature of people in that day, they could only reconcile bad things happening with sin. If you're born blind, you did something. Or your mama and your daddy did something. So there's this colloquy, this discourse that happens with the disciples and Jesus that is telling. Because to a large degree, the disciples represent the church. Uh Uh-oh. And they say to Jesus, who did something? Somebody is guilty of something for this boy to be born blind. And Jesus said, y'all ready for this? This has nothing to do with sin. Okay. Do me a favor. Just speak to the people in your pod, in your circle, okay? This, this is important. Don't break the protocols. Talk to somebody who is safe with you and say, this ain't about sin. See how y'all said that? It was so little faith in that statement that y'all just made. Y'all don't even believe it. Can I help you? Every problem you face is not about what you did. Every time the enemy shows up, it's not about what you did. Okay. Some of our pain is not a result of our sin and our bad choices. Jesus said, this has nothing to do with sin. The church says... You must have done something to go through like that. But Jesus said, this has nothing to do with sin. This has everything to do with the glory of God being revealed and made manifest in the earth. So let me ask you a question. What did God hide in your trouble so he could get glory? What what did God let you go through? Because he knew glory was going to come out of it. What did God leave you in? Long term. Because he knew he was going to get glory out of it. Paul prayed three times. Lord, take this thorn out of my flesh. God said, no, no, no. My grace is sufficient. Live with it and serve me. Live with the malady and keep serving. Live with the disappointment and keep serving. Live with the tears and keep serving. This is not about sin. Now this is not to say that nobody has sinned. I ain't saying that. I'm saying that there are some things that we go through that has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to do with the fact that God put a seed of glory in you that needs to be revealed. And some of us have come up on God's schedule. I feel that in my spirit. You have come up on God's schedule. The kairos of God is hitting your life at this moment. Jesus said this, this, this has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to do with the glory of God being made manifest in his life. The glory of God being unveiled. The glory of God being revealed. The glory of God being uncovered. It was hidden 
until now. Did y'all catch? I'm going to give y'all 10 quick seconds to give God praise for until now. It was hidden until now. You had problems until now. You were hurt and disappointed until He was born with a birth defect that had an expiration date and nobody knew but God. In pain, had to deal with being talked about, treated badly because people believed he did something. But God had it on his schedule to heal him all along. Let, let, let me cut across the field. Been up here too long, I'm sorry. A little bit, I'm, I'm sorry, a little bit. Listen to this. Jesus calls him over and apparently this man figures out I'm about to be healed. He he figures out this is my moment. And then he hears the unmistakable sound of Jesus spitting on the ground. Y'all ain't wigged out like I was when I read the text. how, How do you feel? When Jesus says, you ready for your healing? And you start dancing and shouting because you know he can't fail. He tells you he's going to heal you. He tells you he's going to deliver you. know it's a done deal. And then he starts spitting. And I need you to read the text because the text says that he made clay with spit. Which means this is not just a little bit of expectorant when you sneeze or when you blow this is a good amount of spit then he hears and you got to remember his hearing is good because his eyes don't work and he hears Jesus playing in the mud what is happening I thought you said this is going to be healing why are you playing in mud and now Jesus takes spitty mud and he puts it on his face. Y'all still ain't grossed out yet. It's cool. It's cool. But man, does it take all of this? I'm a little bit of a nerd. A little bit of a nerd. So I'm curious. What is special about spit? If Jesus used spit to heal him, that means something is unique about spit. So the nerd in me did research because I want to know. And here's what I discovered that spit is 99.5% water. That blew me away because when I look at spit, I'm like, that can't possibly be that close to water. So only 0.5% makes water spit. But in that 0.5% is some amazing stuff. Enzymes, of course, you know, things of that nature. But there's something antimicrobial that's in spit. There's a cleansing agent in spit. That in spit, spit has the ability to wipe things away. 
See, we some some of y'all didn't grow up with a mama like mine, but have you ever had a spot on your face? She didn't tell you to go and get a a, a rag. She would. Okay. Am I the only one whose mama licked licked her thumb and? So in spit is, is, is a cleansing agent, but also in spit, listen to this, is deoxyl, deoxyribonucleic acid, what we call DNA. So in that 0.5% enzymes, a cleansing agent, and Jesus. He takes that, he mixes it in dirt where we come from. And made that boy some eyes. Okay, y'all, 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 okay, y'all, 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 y'all gotta, y'all, you gotta see this in the text. He made him eyes. And said, all you gotta do is wash this stuff off in the pool of Siloam. This is another place where I got a problem in the text because Jesus sends a blind man on an expedition. It can't just be easy. But the man said, you know what? I let him spit on me. I let him rub mud on my face. Why not go ahead and finish obeying the instructions? Can I tell you that this year is going to be a year where you got to follow the instructions? Okay. This is going to be the year where God's going to tell you to do some crazy stuff. He's going to give you crazy instructions. Bishop is going to tell you to do some stuff that's going to question your, your mind and, and it's going to make your faith work overtime. Just obey. Somebody holler out, obey, 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 obey. I got to quit. It was God's intention to heal him the whole time. When the man comes back from washing in the pool of Siloam, he can see. And everybody starts to celebrate because he's not walking around like this anymore. And here's the other thing that God did. I need you to understand that when God gives you a sense back, one of the things that happens is you have to adjust. He didn't just give him his sight, he gave him equilibrium for seeing. He recalibrated his body to handle something he never, okay. He gave him the ability to use what he never had before. Okay, y'all missed it. This is going to be a year, I feel the Holy Ghost, I'm trying to quit. This is going to be a year where God gives you the ability to handle what you never had before. You will not waste it. It, God's about to show you how to do what you've never done before. He's about to show you how to handle money you've never had before. He's going to show you how to do ministry you have never done before. This year. This year. I got to quit. Paul says... Paul says, listen, kairoses are activated through preaching. And I believe that God sent me prophetically here today to activate a kairos 
and inspire church. That this is a moment of manifestation. And when everybody saw it, the testimony of the people, when the divine intention of God came to pass is, we've never seen anything like this before. This is unprecedented. This is new. This is fresh. God, I've never seen you move like this before. I didn't know I could be healed from that. I didn't know I could be delivered from that. And that is what God is about to do in this house globally everything attached to this man everybody that submitted to this house you are in a kairos a manifestation I need a hundred people to open up your mouth and say it's about to happen, it's about to happen it's about to happen this is the moment, this is the time this this is it it was not wasted God left you there because he could trust you to keep worshiping until the moment of manifestation hit. This is a moment of manifestation. And I want you to open up your mouth right here. I gotta quit. But I want you to open up your mouth right here and begin to celebrate the fact that this is a moment of manifestation. This is a moment of deliverance. This is a moment of healing. This is a moment of restoration. And it starts right now. Open up your mouth. Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. Give God praise. Somebody's having a breakthrough right now. Give God praise. Woo! Hallelujah.